Christmas shopping and gift giving has probably been on our minds a lot in this past week, and if it hasn't been, it probably will be in the next week or two for those of you that put off till the last minute. But as we move into December, as we move toward the season of Christmas, I wanted to speak today, uh, and really throughout this month, the, the theme is uh, gifts. And of course, we think about the greatest gift of all, the gift of Christ given to us, God coming into this world, this universe that he created, taking on flesh and blood and coming through the, the womb of a virgin lady and um, coming into this world, taking on flesh and blood and bone, and then teaching us, guiding us, demonstrating God's love to us, and then giving his very life on the cross of Calvary to demonstrate his love for us, and then to conquer death and to ascend back into heaven and to offer this forgiveness, this grace, this relationship with God. And, you know, as I, th I think about uh, gifts, I, I was thinking about, um, for me, when I try to give a gift for someone, I, I want to give a good gift. And, you know, it's, it's maybe not always the best, but I try to think specifically what they would appreciate or like or could use. I, I like the gift to be practical in some way. But, you know, when you love someone, you, you just want to give them a gift that will make them smile. And it doesn't have to be big or expensive. Um, and yet, if it comes from a heart of love, it really is the perfect gift. Like um, our grandchildren, uh, the two youngest ones, Kenzie and Zane, um, this was back several months ago. They were at our house, and uh, they had some watercolor paints and things. And they drew a couple of little pictures and I, how do I say this? At their age, um, their, what they had in their mind and what their muscles could do with their hands wasn't quite the same. <laughs> Is that a kind way of saying it? But, but it, it, was really, it was really good. I mean, it was cute. We loved it. And so we took those little paintings that they did, and we put them on top of the bay window in our dining room area or dining area. So every time we sit at the table, we would see those. And we've had them up there for, for weeks and weeks. In fact, the last time they were over, they saw them still up there, and they were like, why do you still have those up there? <laughs> we're like, well, because they're special to us. You know, they came from you, you gave them to us. And the point is, you know, that might to some people not have seemed like much, but to us it was a perfect gift because they took time and energy and effort to do that, and, and we wanted to acknowledge that. Well, the Bible reminds us that in his love for us, God has given us the perfect gift because it, it came and comes from a heart of love from him to us. And certainly that gift, as I mentioned, is Christ Jesus himself. But do you realize that in addition to that perfect gift, there are many other gifts that God does give us? And so as we think about the obvious gift of the gift of Christ this time of year, I want us to think about the other gifts that God gives us. And in fact, James chapter 1 verse 17 says it in this way, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights and does not change like shifting shadows. So again, God's given us many gifts. He's given us the gift of life, gifts of love, laughter, joy, compassion, uh, forgiveness, and grace. He's given us air to breathe. He's given us this planet to live on and as well as the universe to explore and to just be amazed at. When we fail in morality... He offers us the gift of forgiveness and grace, and he offers us the gift of his presence, his Holy Spirit. He offers us a new way of living, 
if we will but open our lives to that and receive the gift. But like any gift, when you receive it, you've got to put it into practice. You need to use it. Well, I just wanted to share with you this morning some scriptures that remind us of some of these many gifts. So one that's most familiar with many of you, John three sixteen, it says this, and I want you to just see it on the screen as I read these or quote them to you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, this is when Peter was speaking to the crowds in Jerusalem after Christ had ascended back up into heaven and sent his Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. They received his Holy Spirit and they were empowered and emboldened. And Peter went out into the streets and he began to tell people, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith And this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. You see, sometimes we don't think about it, but even the faith that we have to believe in anything is a gift that God has given us. And what we need to to realize and decide is how are we going to use that faith? But again, we cannot boast and brag if we choose to exercise that faith in trusting God and we get to heaven. We can't brag about it because even the faith to believe in Christ was given to us by God as a gift. But after we receive the gift of Christ, by believing upon him, receiving him into our life, desiring to give our lives to him, he gives us other gifts that he wants us to have and to use. But he wants us to use them to help his church to grow. These are so important that the Apostle Paul writes about them in several places in the Bible, actually, but uh, we're going to look at a few of them today. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says this statement at the very beginning in verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts or grace gifts, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You see, Paul knows that it's important for us In addition to receiving the gift of Christ, we need to know about these other gifts, these perfect gifts that God gives to each one of us and how he wants us to use them. So we need to understand that a spiritual gift or this grace gift that God God is uh, showing us through the Apostle Paul in this writing is a special ability that God gives to each person as they become a member of the body of Christ, as they have trusted Christ now and they're spiritually born again, they're regenerated. I can't explain that. It's, it's something, it's an experience that happens. It happens because we believe in Christ, but there's something that happens in our spirit and our soul. And I'm just curious, this is not to make anyone uh, you know, embarrassed, but I'm just curious, if you're here and you know what I'm talking about, like if you've accepted Christ, but it was more than just a mental thing, you, you know there's a change in your soul, your spirit, your heart, would you just lift your hand? I'm just curious. Awesome. I mean, look around, look around. So, so I, thank you. I, I'm not alone. <laughs> but so unless you've experienced that, it's, it's hard to explain to somebody who hasn't experienced it. It's more than following a religion or a set of rules. There's literally a life change. It's a spiritual dynamic. And that's the amazing thing about God. It's, it's a bit of a mystery. But God in, in his power and his love and in his spiritual moving, when we get that regeneration in our spirit and we feel that forgiveness and that connection with God, then in addition to that, he gives us these other gifts 
that connect with our spirit that he wants us to use. These are the other gifts from God that I'd like to talk about today. Paul writes uh, this about them in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. Uh, I'll have it on the screen there for you. Notice as I read this that all three aspects of the triune nature of God are involved. <clears throat> there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit, His Holy Spirit, distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord, which of course is Jesus Christ. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That word manifestation, it just means something that is made known. It's made evident. It's revealed. And so God has given us these gifts not to hold inside of us, not to hide, but to make them known, to use them, open them up, so to speak, to understand what they are and begin to put them into practice so that people can see what God is doing in your life, but in the life of his body. And it's for the common good. So again, all three aspects of the triune nature of God are involved in the giving of the gifts. I like the way that the New Living Translation uh, translates verse 7. So in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it puts it this way. A spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means of helping the entire church. Now this message today, I want you to know, is primarily for those of us who have accepted Christ, and again, we've experienced that new birth within us, that spiritual connection with God. Because if you have not done that, you don't have spiritual gifts. You'll, you have natural abilities and talents, but they're different from a spiritual gift. A spiritual gift is something that God gives you after you receive his greatest gift of Christ. Um, so, Spiritual gifts are distinct from natural abilities and talents. And I would encourage you, if you're listening to this today and you've not opened your life fully to Christ and you've not trusted him, I just encourage you to do that. He is offering that gift to you. He's holding it out. He's not going to jam it in your chest. He's not going to force it on you. And that's what we do here each week as we talk about Christ when we share our faith. We don't want to force our faith or beliefs on anyone, but we present them. We hold them out. And it's like an invitation. You can listen, you can choose to believe, and then choose to receive it. And that's, that's what I want to do again today. It's what we do every, every Sunday here, is to say this is a wonderful gift. So start by receiving the gift of Christ. And then if you've done that, God is automatically going to begin to give you some other gifts. But again, if you've not received Christ, then certainly you have some natural talents and abilities. You were born with them. It's, it's still a gift that God has given you, but he's given it to you through your parents' DNA and through his working. And so as you grow and you get older, you begin to develop those uh, talents or those abilities. And you can use those spiritual, or I'm sorry, not those spiritual, you can use those natural talents and abilities any way you want. You can use them for personal gain. You can use them to try to gain power for yourself or notoriety or... Um, influence, but you could also then use them by your choice to help people to do good, to make a difference in the world. And so you can, you can do that whether you've trusted Christ or not, because they are gifts that God has given. They're natural talents and abilities. These would be things like uh, athletic ability. Of course, we see that a lot all the time, especially now with, with basketball season and football season and all those things going on, hockey and everything. All around us, we constantly see athletic ability 
And certainly that's a gift from God. But it could also be things like intelligence. When we see examples of people like Elon Musk in our current culture, but in the past people like uh, Einstein, um, Thomas Edison, uh, Tesla, these are individuals that God has given a specific gift with, with extreme intelligence and stuff. And then they can, but again, they can use it in a selfish way or they can use it um, for the good of others. The difference between a natural talent and ability and a spiritual gift is, without exception, every spiritual gift that we receive as followers of Christ are not to be used for ourselves. Every spiritual gift that God gives us is to be used for other people. It is to be used for the common good because this is the love of Christ. He gave himself selfishly for us. And so as he gives us not only the gift of himself, but then these other gifts, he wants us to unselfishly share those for the good of his body, which is the church. And when I'm saying the church... I'm not just talking about those that are gathered here inside this building this morning or on Sundays or whenever. I'm talking about believers in Christ all around the world 24-7. So that means people that you come into contact in your places of work or your neighborhoods who are believers in Christ, we have an obligation to do our best to try to help them in the love of Christ so that overall the body of Christ, big C church, so to speak, is edified and God is glorified. And again, it's for the common good. And it's for the good of the world. So, now God often does, in his wisdom, combine our natural abilities and talents that we're born with. And then when we're given spiritual gifts, a lot of times those can work in conjunction together. Uh, some of those things, again, a natural talent and ability might just be like uh, artistic ability, musical ability, um, doing construction work. Um, you, you know, you can think of the myriads of, of gifts that are given. Well, what, what if you have a tendency or a mechanical aptitude and ability? How do you use that in the church? Well, God might give you the gift of compassion. And you say, how does compassion and mechanical ability work together? Well, if you know how to change oil in cars and work on cars, you might want to, out of compassion, if you see somebody in need, you say, I want to do that for you. I want to repair your car. I want to change the oil for you. I want to help you. You see what I'm saying? So God can use a spiritual gift in conjunction with a natural gift and ability, again, to do good, to strengthen others, especially in the church, but also to be a blessing to the world. So in Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul addresses this pretty specifically, and so I'd like to share that with you now. Again, you're going to see about three different places where the Apostle Paul in the New Testament in his writings addresses this idea of spiritual gifts. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, he says this, or writes this, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe." So what is this describing here? This is talking about what we celebrate this time of year. Christ coming into the world, the world that he created and taking on flesh and blood and bone and walking among us. Now, I, I, I want to share this with you. This is not to burst anyone's bubble, but I need to be truthful with you. Jesus was not born on December 24th 
or December 25th. I just want to make that clear so that people don't think we're perpetuating some kind of lie or falsehood. His birthday is not December 25th or December 24th. He was probably born in the springtime, and there's a lot of reasons that I can go into. We don't have time here today. So the natural question is, what? I've never heard of this before. Well, then why, if he wasn't born, then why are we celebrating on December 25th? Who did that? Who started that? Well, if you study church history, there was a time in world history where a lot of cultures were doing some very dark things around the winter solstice. They were worshiping false gods. Yes, it was a thing, and it still is, but then it was a very real thing, and it was expressed in many dark ways, and I'm not going to go into all the dark ways. But it always happened around the winter solstice. So there was a point in church history where some church leaders said, you know what, there's nothing in the scriptures that say that we're to celebrate the birth of Jesus. We have the account in there, but what the scripture does say is that we're to celebrate the Lord's death and resurrection. That's what communion is, and that's why we do it all the time. But what they decided was, since there's so much darkness around the winter solstice and all these pagan rituals and things, we want to counteract that with the light of Christ and the love of Christ, and to let people know that there is a God better than all of these pagans who came to earth and visited us and was born into this world. And so they chose that date, and I'm shortening this down, but they chose that date to say, this is when we're going to celebrate as a church Christ coming into the world. And that's kind of how it got started. Now, that's the, the way shortened Cliff Eaton notes. I don't know, Mark Eaton. But you can, you can do more research if you want. And again, this is not to disappoint anyone, but again, we need to speak the truth in love and we need to be educated because otherwise we lose, we lose credibility with the world. So, but the point is, it's not wrong for us to celebrate the birth of Christ. I celebrate it every single day. I really do. And I celebrate his death and resurrection every single day. I am grateful for the life of Christ and his ongoing work. But it is nice to be able to do like we've done this morning, to come together and to focus on some songs and to think about this great gift. So I said all that in reference to this that is described, the Apostle Paul is describing in Ephesians, is talking about Jesus. He left the glories of heaven and he descended to the lower earthly regions and he took on flesh and blood and he walked among us and though he never sinned, he took on the curse of sin, which is death, and he allowed himself to be crucified on a cross. He had the power. He didn't have to go through it. I said it before. I'll say it again. It wasn't the nails that held Jesus to the cross. It was his love for you and me. And after Christ took on death and suffered such humiliation and suffering and pain and, and abuse, he conquered death on that third day and came out of the tomb, and then he showed himself alive. So now death is his captive because he conquered death and all the consequences of it. And so this is this picture that's given here of one who now has ascended not only out of the tomb, but then he ascended back up into heaven after he spent several days with his followers showing them, hey, I really am alive. It's me. I'm not a ghost. Yes, it's a glorified body, but I want you to follow me. I want you to tell others the good news. I'm going to go back up into heaven, and I'm, the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit in each one of you, so I will dwell in you. We will be in you. Again, there's a lot of references that Jesus used equating himself with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus said, I'm going back up into heaven bodily so my spirit can come in a new way and indwell the hearts of everyone who believes in me. And this is a gift that God is giving along with this salvation. 
So he ascended back up into heaven, uh, high above all the universe. You can think of it as another dimension or whatever, but he ascended on high. And so the, the picture here that Paul is describing is one of in that day when a conqueror would go into a region against their enemies and they would conquer their enemies they would lead a procession back into their hometown. Now, this is not a pretty picture, but I'm just saying this is, this is what was done. So the emperor or whomever, they would lead a victorious procession like a parade into town. And here's the emperor, and he's riding high and mighty, and he's got his soldiers with him. And then they're carrying the captives behind them who were their enemies being put in their place and shown that they shouldn't have rebelled. And then... As a celebration, the emperor would often give gifts or spoils of war to people. So this is the imagery. So what Paul is saying is that Christ is the mightiest conqueror of all. He conquered death and all the consequences of it. He ascended up into heaven above all the universe. And then now he is giving gifts, these spiritual gifts, to those of us who are his followers as a result of that. So look at verse 11 now. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, so now we're talking about some of the gifts that are given. And by the way, if you notice, when he says he's given some apostles and prophets and evangelists, there is this idea that if you've been given a gift and then you use that gift to help the church grow, in effect, you yourself become a gift to the church. So when you begin to exercise the spiritual gifts that God has put within you and you take it seriously and you want to do that to help those around you, then you actually become a gift yourself to the church. I'm not going to name names, but I look out around this crowd and there are many of you that I see as gifts. Yes, you have the gifts, but you are a gift to this church because of the way you give of yourself and serve and help others and work in the community. And God wants every single one of us to be viewed that way and to see each other that way rather than to be quick to criticize or put others down. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. You see there again, the gift is not to be used selfishly, but is to be used for the strengthening of Christ's church. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You and I know very well that we're healthy when our body is all working together. All the cells are functioning the way that they should. Our kidneys are functioning the way they should. Our intestines, our, our bladder, our lungs, our heart on and on it goes. Everything needs to be functioning in harmony together for us to be healthy. But when our cells become unhealthy, when one cell begins to attack another cell, it begins to make us ill. And to make it very visual for you, this is going to be ridiculous, but if I decide to take my right hand and do that to the left side of my body, that kind of hurt. And then if I decide to take my left hand and do this, to the right side of my body, 
That, that was kind of painful. <laughs> now, I, I'm glad you're laughing. If you saw me walking down the street doing that, you'd say, there's something wrong with that dude. <laughs> and you'd have all your imaginings of why. And I'm saying this to make a point, and I say it in love. We need to be mindful that in the church, when we become critical of one another, when we say things that we shouldn't say, when we post things we shouldn't post about others in the church, an unbelieving world looks at that, and this is what it looks like to them. And they say, there is something wrong with that person. So this is something we all bear responsibility in. And I'm telling you the truth in love because God has gifted each one of us and we need to respect that and we need to work together for the common good and for a witness to the world. So a spiritual gift is a God-given ability to serve God in such a way that Christ is glorified and his church is edified. Peter, who walked closely with Jesus, said this. I'm sore. I kind of hurt. <laughs> That's also a good illustration. It kind of lasts a while. It takes a while to get over it. Anyway, 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks... They should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. And if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when the Apostle Paul is writing about this illustration that I just gave you uh, visually, where he says, you know, we're all part of the body and we're all gifted in different ways. And so the foot can't say to the eye, I don't need you, or the, you know, the hand to the ear and all the, the things that's in there. Um, this is what he says about these spiritual gifts. He begins to identify specifically what some of those gifts are. Now, on the screen, you're not going to see this uh, passage, I don't think. Um, but I've just got the gifts that are mentioned specifically in this passage. Uh, if you've got the notes online, you'll, you'll be able to read the passage, or you can just open up your scriptures to 1 Corinthians 12, chapter uh, 12, verse 8 through 13. Here we go, beginning in verse 8. To one there is given through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by that same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits or discernment. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues or different kinds of languages, in other words. And to still another, interpretation of tongues or those languages. All these are the work of the one and same spirit, and he distributes to each one just as he determines. Now, this is important. God gives you the spiritual gifts that he knows are going to suit you best because he created you. He knows your personality, and so he's going to give you a spiritual gift that he knows will, will, will work well within you. Now, it's still going to take faith for you to discover it and to begin to uh, develop it and use it and put it into practice, but it's still something that he has given you uniquely just as when we try to give a gift for someone, we try to do it with thought and intent that would be applicable for them. And certainly God does this, and he does it through his Holy Spirit as he determines, not as we determine, but as he determines. Just as a body, verse 12, 
Though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. And then on down in verse 28, he writes this, mentioning a few more gifts. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, and third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping or ministry or service, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. The Apostle Paul also writes this in Romans. Again, I'm giving you all these references because I just want you to hear the gifts that are mentioned. And this is not an exhaustive list of these other gifts that God gives us. Uh, You'll see some similarities between the list, but this does give us a good general idea of the many types of perfect gifts that God gives us. Romans 12, 3 through 8 says this, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think more highly than he ought to think. You know, there's none of us, when we're given a gift by God, that should be going around puffed up and thinking, look what I can do. I'm pretty spiritual because I'm doing this in the church and I'm doing that and I've got more faith than you do and you don't do that like I do. Some of you say, oh, we'd never do that. Uh, Check your attitude sometimes. There are some things referred to as gift pride and gift envy and gift shame. And I may address that in a, a future message. I don't want to go into it today, but, you know, we can have, we can receive the gifts that God gives us, and without realizing it, we can kind of misuse them or use them with the wrong attitude. And that's why humility is the absolute number one attitude that we need to have in the church, every single one of us, and with every gift that we've been given. And that's what we are instructed in the scripture. Everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. There it is again, even the faith that we have in whatever measure, whether it's small or large, it's a gift from God. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. We want you to use your gifts here at Porterfield. We encourage you to do that. And I'm going to share in just a few moments some specific ways you could do that. But he goes on and he says, If prophecy, let us prophecy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering, which again is serving and helping. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Time doesn't permit me this morning to give you the definition of all of these gifts. And that's why I do the spiritual gifts class. We'll be having it again after the first of the year. If you haven't gone through that, I invite you to be a part of it. It's something that I think is so important in the life of the church. And I'm going to start offering it uh, more than just once a year, trying to offer it at least twice a year. I did last year. I offered it once through Zoom uh, during the the middle of things when it was getting kind of crazy. And then I also did it in, in person here just recently. And I would love to, to go into more about what some of these specific gifts are. But um, for this morning, again, just know that God has given so many gifts. And there's some gifts that aren't even mentioned in the New Testament that are still gifts from God. We, we know in Exodus, we read when uh, God wanted Moses to have the tabernacle built, 
so that they could have a place to come together and to worship God together, and it was like a, the representation of where he was going to meet with them, and it, and it actually was an object lesson of the future point of Christ coming into the world, and that's where we meet God is in Christ. So there's this, this symbolism of the tabernacle in the Old Testament was really like a, a, a symbolism of Christ. But anyway, when God instructed them to build the tabernacle, he told Moses specifically there were two men that he had gifted with craftsmanship and works in jewelry and perfuming, and they were to use those gifts to build that tabernacle and to teach others how to use those gifts. So that was certainly a spiritual gift because God had given it to him for the purpose of worship and coming uh, into his presence. But whether, the, whether these have been mentioned today or not, again, this isn't an exhaustive list. There are many gifts, and what God wants you to do is to begin to pray and seek and ask him, what is the gift, Lord, that you've given me? Help me to understand it. Help me to use it. Some of you maybe already know what the gift is because you'll tend to want to do those things. You'll find yourself wanting to do certain things in the life of the church um, and that's an indication that that's where your spiritual gift probably is. But here's the thing. The apostle Peter, one who walked most closely with Jesus, I'll remind you of the words that he said. First Peter 4.10, he writes it. Each of you, each of you, not some of you, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Again, it's not about serving yourself. It's about serving other people and helping others in the church. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. A steward is simply a manager of a household or an overseer of an estate. It's also been used as a term at times for a superintendent over the city's finances. So that's what a steward is, like the treasurer of a city. Or maybe uh, if this maybe will help you, it's kind of like being the CEO of a company. So God has given each of you a responsibility in the body of Christ. He's given you gifts that he wants you to use as a good steward or CEO or however you want to look at it in the body of Christ. And so we are to use those gifts in a proper way. And then the Apostle Paul says this in Romans twelve six. He reminds us, having then gifts according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. God wants you to use those gifts. So as you think about getting gifts for other people, your loved ones, during this month and as we approach Christmas, I really believe God wants you and I to think about what gifts we're going to give to him. Certainly, first of all, give yourself to him through faith in Christ. But then as you receive Christ, think about the other abilities and gifts that he's given you and how can you use them to be a blessing to the church here locally at Porterfield, certainly, to strengthen and help us, but also in the community, other brothers and sisters in Christ, to strengthen the church overall. Specifically here at Porterfield, here's some ways that you can help. We've put this in the exchange, uh, which is our communication to let you know. We try to spare you from a lot of announcements on Sunday morning. Um, and so we try to communicate with you through texting and through emails. We encourage you to sign up for those communications so that you can be aware of, of what's going on in the church. We want to communicate with you. But I did want to take a few minutes this morning just to say that we could use some help with our uh, AVL. That's audio, video, lighting. So the people that help the beautiful lights be on up here in the Sunday service and run the slides and do all those things... It's such, it's such a big working, and everybody needs to do their part. We, we call it our production team now. 
Um, but some people, if you say production team, they don't really understand what that means. But if you'd like to be a part of that team, and, they, and you can work on a rotating basis, just work, you know, volunteer one Sunday to serve, and sometimes it's just simply running the cameras that are used for the live streaming during a service. Sometimes it can be back there on the soundboard, or it can be in the, in the production room. You don't have to have a lot of technical ability, but if you do have that technical ability, of course, that's a, that's a big plus. But uh, they'll be happy to train you and to show you, uh, again, even if it's something as simple as working the lighting. Um, for our live streaming, again, with the production, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that people do not realize. And I appreciate Curtis and what he has done over uh, all these years and, and getting that team together. And he really needs your help. He, he, he needs a, a team. Uh, so I would encourage you, um, to, if, if you're interested in any, helping out in any of these ways, contact the church office. We'll put you in touch with, with Curtis or the right person. Another area is the parking ministry. I really appreciate the parking ministry. I'm usually in the building by the time the parking ministry gets started. But last Sunday, it was, was like Thanksgiving just like a little over a week ago. Because like, in my head, that feels like that was three months ago. I don't, I don't, I don't know about you, but... But anyway, so yeah, I guess it was just last Sunday when Pastor Eric was preaching, Julie and I came in with the rest of you. It was kind of refreshing and nice. <laughs> and we sat toward the back because we're back row Baptists. <laughs> but, but anyway, um, we did like everybody else did. We wanted a good seat at the back. But anyway, um, what I'm saying is when we arrived, it was so cool to see the people out in the parking lot in the cold with their coats on, but with a smile, and they were kind of directing us, helping us to know where to park. And it was just so friendly, and I so admire that because, again, what a message that sends to first-time guests, but it's the sacrifice of them being out there in the cold and, and doing that. So we appreciate our parking ministry people, and they need some help. So if you'd be willing to brave the cold for maybe one Sunday uh, every once in a while or be part of a team, we'll get you on that schedule. We, we could use some help with the parking ministry. And then there's another thing that you all probably don't even know exists, but we have something called closers. And no, it's not like a, a cold case or finishing a case. Or it's not like the show The Closers. It's not quite that uh, uh, dramatic. But it's people who are volunteer to either hang around till everybody's gone or they come back after everybody's gone to make sure the building's locked up, the lights are out, the toilets are flushed. It's just they're going through the building just making sure everything's you know, tucked away, and we're being good stewards of the energy here with the lights and all that. We're not leaving a lot of stuff on. And so we need help with that. And there's actually a team of people that do that. They take a turn on different Sundays. Julie and I actually have been closers for a long time. And I told her, like, the other day, I'm like, I mean, I know I want to set an example by, as pastor to serve and do things. But it's like, really? Is there not somebody else that can make you do this? And this is not about me, but I'm just saying um, it's a simple job, but it's a very important job. If you'd like to help with that contact the church office. We will put you in touch with the right person. And then, of course, ushers. And, and those are just to name a few. But I did want to highlight that because that is a need. So again, what is it that you are willing to give to Jesus, not only this month, but in the days ahead, as we think about the greatest gift that God has given to us through Christ? Um, I'm going to ask, just before I ask you to stand, all of you to stand, we have some people in the church that are doing exactly what I have preached about today. They're going to be leaving tomorrow. They're heading down to Charlotte to um, 
Samaritan's Purse Packing Center to begin to prepare the boxes that will go as gifts around the world to children to share the love of Christ and the message of Christ all around the world. And those gifts are not only going to impact those children that receive those gift boxes, it's going to impact their families, their parents, and their communities. And I know there's about 20 people that are going, So, and I know some of you are here, so I would like to ask you, if you're going on that trip, would you stand? Wherever you're at, that's all you got to do. Just stand right where you're at. Come on, don't be bashful. There we go. Come on. I, I'm, I know there's more here, and I think there's some outside. So here's some of them here. This one, Stay standing, please. I know. Sorry. I just want to pray for you all, okay? And uh, so let's take a moment and let's pray for them. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the gifts that you've given us and your calling on our lives. And I thank you for these, Lord, who are saying yes to giving of their time and the spiritual gifts you've given them to be a blessing for the good of your church around the world. So, Lord, I pray for your protection over them as they prepare to go, as they travel. I pray that you would keep them in good health and help them to safely get there and to work effectively and joyously and, and, and give them a wonderful trip, bring them back safely to us. I pray for Randy and Judy, Lord, as, as they have worked so hard to head this up, and I pray for your blessing and protection over them as, as they've been exposed to COVID and are not going to be able to make the trip because of the quarantining, Lord. I just thank you that you're keeping them healthy, and I pray that you'll continue to keep them healthy, Lord. But I just pray um, that each of us, Lord, can celebrate the gifts that you're giving us and the opportunities we have to serve you. So I pray your blessing upon these now, and may they continue to set a good example of what you want us to do for your kingdom work. And I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. And I'm going to ask the rest of you to join them and stand and Praise team, come up. I'm going to have a closing prayer, and then I have a brief announcement before we dismiss. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the many gifts that you give us, and it all begins with the gift of Christ, the gift of life and life eternal. So if there's any who has listened to this message today and hasn't yet trusted Christ, I just pray, Lord, that you'll help them to see the gift that you're holding out to them and offering them, and that they would choose to receive Christ into their life and uh, to, to begin to learn, to unwrap it, so to speak, and to, just after receiving him, to, to learn more about him because it's a journey that we're all continually on. Thank you for giving your life for us, Jesus, and thank you for rising again and giving us these many other spiritual gifts. And so I pray that you'll use this message today to encourage us that we'll use those gifts properly for your glory and for the common good. In Jesus' name, amen.